0: Since the invention of fire, man has spun stories of gods and monsters. From a million years in the future, heavy metal presents. wonder work. When you've got two forces gearing up for a battle, more often than not, It's the side with the most guns, most men, and most artillery that winds up on top. But that's not the case in our next story, because this yarn features a monster whose weapons of choice are surprise, confusion, and, well, (laughs) you'll see. Bringing terrifying new meaning to the term guerrilla warfare, this is Savage Circus. the drinks, gentlemen. Where I'm from, that means I owe you a story. Are they with you? Oh, shit. Gather around, all of you. You miss. Sit here next to me. I think I have the perfect story for a group such as yourselves. It should have been the best day of our fucking lives. Kicked our asses out of Saigon. We'd spent six months trekking through a jungle where even the goddamn bugs will kill you. We were after this son of a bitch Kong sniper who'd been peppering our men with Russian made 762s since March. He gave the sergeant's son a full frontal lobotomy in some field near Lao K. So we were HFM, highly fucking motivated to bag this asshole. We'd been on his tail for four months we could just about taste him. Tired, worn out, losing men by the day, the guys spoke openly about fragging Sarge's ass, not because they didn't like him, just to get six hours of goddamn sleep. So when word rolled in that we were going home, the camp erupted. The boys were rightfully overjoyed. Me? I was glad that my brothers were all getting to go home, but shit, I was home. When I got here, I wasn't qualified to pump gas. Now, I was a man, a lean, mean killing machine. I could survive in the fucking jungle for weeks on end and I loved it. So when they said we were heading home, all I knew was I was about to lose the only family I ever had outside of foster care and trade the bush for a concrete jungle, which was twice as brutal and a shit ton less exciting. But just as Perez was about to go pull a few coconuts off the trees to mix with the old Clary Brothers' homemade shine, the Sarge dropped the other boot. He told us that sniper wasn't but a half a click away. He was sure of it. Sergeant Devereaux was definitely going after him. He had to. fucker killed his son. But he gave us a choice. Fly back to the U.S. of a Or follow old Sarge a little deeper into the wilds of Vietnam for one last go at it. What the hell else could we do? Got ourselves suited and booted for one last fire walk into the ship. A lot of people don't get to know when their lasts are gonna be. Last time walking on the beach, last time hugging your mother, but not us. We knew this was our last patrol, and that had everyone spooked. Every stick, every linger, that's a Vietnamese monkey for you fucking hippies that dodged Uncle Sam. Any noise had our necks on a swivel. That dumbass Carlo let off half a clip on account of him hearing a cricket chirp too close. Fucking guy was always losing his head. I mean, even Riggs was spooked. And that bastard had a fucking necklace of ears around his neck, including one of his own. Saw him take it from a mouth after a nasty bayonet scuffle. So when I looked over and saw his brow full of sweat, man, my stomach dropped into my shorts. By the time Sarge told us we were half a click out, we found ourselves triple checking the gear we had just finished double checking. As we got closer, the brush got thinner. One second, you have to hack your way through vines the size of Steve Hercules Reeves' arm, and then boom, you're out of the tree line. And that's what happened. We stopped right before the clearing and scoped it out. (sighs) No Charlie, no movement, no nothing. It's not common to come across an abandoned village that wasn't burned to the ground. So Sarge sent me and Zero in. From the jump, this didn't feel like an ambush. This was something else. I whispered the little I knew of the Lord's Prayer and kept my eyes open. Wish I didn't, because I realized pretty quick it wasn't no trap no one on Earth needs to see what we walked into. Bodies, if you can call them that, were strewn everywhere. Arms, legs, organs that aren't supposed to see the light of day. Spent bullet casings were stacked a few inches high on the ground, but nobody been shot. They were flattened, brained by huge boulders we saw scattered around. Someone took a wrecking ball to this place. I heard a gasp, spun around, and found myself looking down the barrel at a dead man, or a dying man that is, clutching a moose and nagged sniper rifle. It was a Kong sniper. He was covered in blood and afraid. He wasn't clutching that rifle to shoot at us. He was looking past us, scared of something else, oblivious to the US forces standing in front of him. It's him, Sarge. Sergeant Clark Devereaux came out of that bush on a mission. He walked past the bodies, not even blinking an eye at the meat grinder next to him. He just went right after that sniper. Pulled out his K-Bar knife. The sniper didn't react to the Grim Reaper that was heading his way. He just kept repeating one word. Batoons. But This stopped when Sarge plunged that six-inch the man's chest. Goddamn son of a Sarge, White just laid on his pants. Told us to unpack. We sleep here tonight. I'm not sure about you, but when I think of a peaceful night in the great outdoors, I don't usually picture sleeping next to piles of gore. But me and the guy said, fuck it. We're leaving this shit soon anyways. Let's give it a proper send-off. Shininess, some rock and roll, little herb from God knows where. Guess the fuck what? We suddenly felt a little better. It was the end of the shit, god damn if it finally felt like it. Even though I had to take a piss like a waterlogged racehorse, I stuck around for the end of Perez's salsa dance. (laughs) When would I see that shit show again? Riggs couldn't fucking breathe, and Giancarlo was trying to join in on the action. Even the twins had big dumb smiles on their faces. After the second encore, couldn't fight nature anymore. I pushed aside some jungle, unzipped, and let out a stream that would put fucking Sea Biscuit to shame. While I was watering a patch of bamboo, I smiled. Smiled because of the boys. Because of what they did for me. Smiled for what they helped me become. It was the last time I'd smiled for three and a half years. As I walked back towards the campsite, Heard the music cut off. Everyone was rushing for their gear. I asked Riggs what the hell was going on. He pointed the woods and started saying something when a rock half the size of a Honda appeared out of nowhere and fucking obliterated it. I mean, his body literally exploded. Sprinted towards my rifle. The clear twins had the same idea because they were at their backpacks rummaging through their shit. They turned towards me just as two massive, hairy hands grabbed Kevin's head and yanked him into the brush. Owen began to scream. We heard some movement coming towards us and turn. The top half of Kevin's body was thrown at our feet. He still clawed in the dirt as his intestines were spilling out from where his legs used to be. When he died, his brother lost him and unleashed hell with his M90, cutting into the jungle like a John Deere on speed. Leaves shot through the air, Trees toppled over, gun went dead, and that's when that thing returned fire. A 40-pound rock shot out from behind the brush. It hammered into the front of Owen's forehead, snapping his head so violently, his spine ripped through the front of his chest. The brothers died next to each other. I rolled back towards the campfire, old ball-sized rocks now raining down on us like suppressive fire. One exploded into flames, lighting the surrounding jungle on fire. It became hell on earth. The heat was unbearable. Zero, joint still hanging from his lip, was losing it. He was clutching a tree, shaking. He didn't have to be scared long because a figure at least seven foot tall, 270, grabbed him from behind and dragged him into darkness. I could still hear his screams. With the fire closing in, I found Sarge and Perez taking cover near the side of a burning hut. I asked where everyone else was, and almost like an answer, a severed head of Carlos slammed into a wall behind us. And with it, died all hopes of having his famous pasta sauce ever again. In a matter of minutes, half the squad was wasted by an invisible enemy using unconventional means. Sarge turned to me, told me to run for Bro, it, make it back the to the base, base. report on what happened. I refused. I couldn't leave my brothers behind. I didn't have anything. At least Perez had six or seven fiancés back home, but I was youngest, Lois in command, and Sarge was giving me a fucking order. The others would cover my retreat. I nodded and said my goodbyes. They counted. Three, two, one. I ran for the tree line, bullets decimating the space behind me, running for safety. So I thought, when I got to the brush, I realized I was running right at him. That monster was standing right in front of me. Oh, fuck. It moved like an orangutan that was fed a steady diet of spinach and barbells for years. It slowly lowered itself onto the ground and came toward me. It was green moss growing all over its skin, gigantic arms hanging off of its body like a spider. As it ambled toward me, I just tried to figure out what kind of lie I was gonna spit to St. Peter at those pearly gates. Move! Suddenly, Sergeant Clark pushed me to the ground. He opened up with his pistol firing round after round at the beast. This gave me the chance to run, and I took it. I began to sprint through the bush, hopping every log, spinning by every vine. I wish I didn't look back, but I did. Sarge was picked up and held with that monster's giant arms. Hell motherfucker. And the fucking man bit his head clean off. I forget how long it took, but I got back. The last of my squad alive. After I dragged my sorry ass back to headquarters. I became the center of an investigation. They thought I went nuts and iced my own men. No one believed my giant rock monster story. I would have been court-martialed if it was any other war, but... Well, this was Nam. Everyone just wanted to go home. They threatened to sectionate me. Marked me as mentally unfit for service. Me! <laughs> Get out of my fucking courtroom, son. So I packed my shit. But I didn't go home. How could I after what that thing did to my squad? What I did was grab the biggest fucking gun and march my ass back into that godforsaken jungle to hunt the rock beast down. Any means necessary. Maybe I was marching in there to fucking die. Or maybe I was looking for a reason to live. And if so, why not pay back? Luckily, on the way out, a young clerk, a Vietnamese kid named Trung, stopped me. He told me what I was describing in the office sounded like the Batute Rock Ape. I stopped him right there. Batute, same thing Sniper said right before Old Sarge gave him what he deserved. According to Trump, the Rock Ape is a local terror, half legend, half public threat. The beast has been killing the people of Vietnam for as long as they can remember. And if there's one thing about the Vietnamese, they fucking remember. I told him that's about to end, my friend. We were gonna form a crew, all locals, and we were gonna find that thing, and we were gonna get some goddamn vengeance. And that's what we did. We assembled a crew of the meanest of the mean. We took anyone who knew the land. NVA, VC, expats too crazed to go home. We formed an ape hunting squad. The people in our crew were trying to kill each other in the jungle just weeks before. But without the brass telling us we hated each other, we were free to set our sights on a more natural enemy, that damned dirty ape. Three and a half years in the jungle, using what Sarge taught me. Toward the end, we were hardly recognizable, fully bearded, scarred, weathered. We looked like the beast we were after. Along the way, my men had been captured, killed by both sides, fucking tortured. Everything the jungle could throw at you. But we never got more than a whiff of a clue. A telltale stack of boulders or oversized animal turds. We chased down every local tale that fit the profile. Missing kids, lost dogs, prints only King Kong could make. They were all what you'd expect, except one, the last one. The tip that a village near the outskirts of Chumu Mountain had been pummeled with boulders. Now, being that it's under a mountain, it was easy to dismiss as a rock slide, but we happened to pass it as we made our way east. I knew it was him instantly. The place was torn to shreds, blood, boulders, No survivors, it was him. We followed the blood splats, trapped him down to a cave about four clicks from the massacre. We thought we had the motherfucker by surprise. So we began setting traps around the cave. We planned to lure him out, snare it, kill it. It was a moment we'd been planning for three years and the plan was foolproof, absolutely solid. We had the place rigged to the tits Nothing could fuck this up. Until I heard a slight wind coming from the cave. Wind passing through. It wasn't a cave. It was a tunnel. It was another entrance. I went to warn Trung, but figured he found out before me on account of I found him with his head tore off. Where are you, motherfucker? This time I wouldn't run. No. We would sand and fight. Jory sure, had to drop on us, but I already saw this guy in action, I knew how he fought. While the rock eight tore apart another buddy of mine, I opened fire. Learned a valuable lesson that day. Don't buy your guns in the back streets of Saigon. I might as well have had my dick in my hands. I tossed the worst piece of Vietnamese metal to the ground and grabbed a wooden spear. Those can't fucking misfire. I ran at the thing, spear clutched, running at certain death. What a fucking moron I was. I stabbed the beast in the back. I let out a howl. Turn. Spear still sticking out of its back. I was eye to eye with this thing. Now I it had its fucking attention. And that's exactly what I wanted. The thing is, I knew that bamboo piece of shit wouldn't kill the thing. But I didn't need it dead yet. I just needed its attention. He it turned and swung it. I jumped. Its massive arm shot over my head and cracked a tree trunk dead in half. I took off running, just like I hoped. It followed me. The thing bounded across the ground, swinging, nearly grabbing me. Let me tell you, I'm pretty sure I broke the land speed record that day. I saw just peeking out in front of me two of my ex-cons in the woods. These copsuckers suckers probably used this same trick against our own men, but I wasn't complaining now. I dived forward. I could feel one of its nails drag across my back. It almost had me, but instead, I had it. My Kong friends yanked up the net at the same time the Rock 8 triggered a trip line. A snare whipped around his legs while the net totally enveloped him. It looked like a sow on Easter. Hog-tied and thrashing. I walked over to the rocky, My white whale. Pulled out my M1911 pistol. Same one I had that night. And racked back around. I wanted to watch it die. But it was whimpering, crying. It was confused, scared. In pain. All I could think of was my old dog, Banjo. This wasn't a man, it was a critter. I stared at the monster, the beast that killed my friends, my only family, only to realize. Well, shit, that's me. Gotta set up my tent in Mount Juliet by tonight. What? You wanna know what happened? Let's just say that when I got back home in 69, the summer of love, I would brought back a little piece of the jungle with me. If you make it out to Mount Juliet tonight, look me up. The end of the story will be waiting for you. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to go spread the good word. <laughs> ah. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight, for one night only, gather around and see the wonders of the world. The most dangerous beasts walk among us. If Mother Nature consummated with the devil, these would be their children. This is the Savage Circus! <laughs>